We are slowly, but we are surely beginning to wrap up this sermon series in the book of Judges. Today we're going to wrap up the little mini-series within the sermon series on Samson and Delilah, but we are going to finish up when we get back one last sermon about how some of the judges in Israel were leaders, and if I'm honest, some of them were just losers. Amen? But today, today the saga continues. Today, the drama persists. Today, the romance of Samson and Delilah continues to demonstrate what happens when God's people get too close to the enemy. If you don't think that it can't happen to you, I pray that you will use this message to reevaluate your opinion. This biblical account of Samson and Delilah reminds us just how deceptive and just how deadly sin can be. Last week we found that the romance of Samson and Delilah was built on Samson's love for women and Delilah's love for wealth. We also learned that their romance was built on senseless and sinister lies. But today, as we continue to plunge into the gutter of Samson's life, we're going to see firsthand what sin can do if you allow it to take up residence in your life. So their romance was built on love, and their romance was built on love and on lies. But we also find today just one point. Amen? One point in your sermon series. What does that mean? Their romance resulted in loss. On or about page 233 in the Bibles in front of you, in Judges chapter 16, we're going to conclude this little section on Samson and Delilah beginning in verse 15. In verse 15, Delilah said to Samson, How can you say that I love you when your heart's not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when Delilah pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all her heart, all his heart, and said to her, this is important, no razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for Samson has told me all his heart. And so the lords of the Philistines came up and brought her the money in her hand. 
Now you remember that the lords of the Philistines had promised her 1,100 pieces of silver each. About three quarters of a million dollars if she'd pull this off. And so Delilah lulled Samson to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. I envision that Samson's long hair had grown into huge dreadlocks. And so there was only seven of the, all of his hair is kind of bound up like dreadlocks. And he had him shave off those seven locks of his head, and then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson! And so he awoke from his sleep and said, I will just go out as before at the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, chains, And he became a grinder in their prison. So Delilah wore the boy down. Delilah wore Samson down until he finally told her the truth. He told her about his hair being a symbol of his Nazarite vow before God. And apparently, Samson believed that his secret was safe with Delilah because right when he goes to sleep on her knees, she calls for a Philistine man to come and shave his head off. Shave his hair off. But listen, Samson wasn't the only one that lost something here. There were losses to both parties involved, and those losses were very considerable. Let me demonstrate for you. Delilah's losses were complete. As far as her life here on earth, Delilah was a sinner before she met Samson. And she remained a sinner after her relationship with Samson was over. So Delilah really lost nothing here. You following me? Delilah really lost nothing here. But the real tragedy of the story is that Samson was supposed to be a man of God. He was supposed to be a Jew who would take the light of God's law, take the light of God's grace and God's love and share it with a lost people of all nations so that they might know the God that Samson was supposed to be serving. See, that's the biggest problem with many Christians today. We're supposed to be taking the light. Taking the light of God's law, God's grace, and God's love to a nation and nations that don't know Him. We're supposed to be taking this light to people to the, about God whom we're supposed to be serving. Right? But because Samson allowed fleshly passions 
And because we allow fleshly passions to govern our lives, Samson had his testimony destroyed before Delilah. Think back over the last month about something that you've said, done, an attitude, or an action that you've done that may have damaged your testimony about God. Now, Delilah, on the other hand, enjoyed the fruits of her incredible deception. She instantly becomes a very, very wealthy woman. 1,100 pieces of silver, she becomes a three-quarters of a billionaire. Financially, Delilah was set for life. However, in the end, Delilah lost everything. Her wealth could not change her eternity. The fact that she was a three-quarters of a millionaire didn't have nothing to do about whether she was going to heaven or not. Because without a saving knowledge of God, Delilah died in her sin and was going to be condemned to spend eternity in a sinner's hell. In the end, Delilah's loss was complete because she lost everything. Now, the Lord Jesus speaks to this issue in Mark chapter 8. Do you remember it? Where the Lord says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What will it profit a man if he becomes a three-quarters of a millionaire but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Delilah had put her sin in front of her relationship with God, and she exchanged her eternal destination for temporary pleasures on earth. Listen, y'all. If you're listening, say amen. If you're not saved this morning, if you're not saved this morning, I urge you, To come to the Lord Jesus so that you can know the only hope there is for you to avoid God's wrath on sin. Let God's word speak to your heart. Because Delilah's losses were complete. But you know, Samson's losses were very costly here. Delilah just lost a little bit in her earthly life, but Samson lost everything, everything of value. The Bible points out that Samson paid an exorbitantly high price because of his indulging in sin. So what did Samson give up that was so costly? Well, in verse 21... The Bible tells us that Samson lost much physically. He lost a whole lot physically. For example, Samson lost his freedom. Verse 21 says that the Philistines took him and bound him with bronze fetters. Samson could no longer come and go as he pleased. 
Sin had robbed him of his freedom. And now he was a prisoner of the enemy. But Samson also lost his vision. You heard it there. In verse 21, the Philistines gouged out his eyes. They blinded him to make him easier to control. So while Samson had chosen to be blind to the consequences of his sin, now his sin cost him his vision permanently. So Samson lost his freedom and his vision, but he also lost his dignity. Do you remember when Samson first went to Gaza? When Samson first went to Gaza, he was looking to uh, seek pleasure at the harlot's house. Y'all remember? This time, he goes to Gaza as a prisoner. A prisoner entangled in the trap of sin. He goes as a prisoner and they take him to their prison and they force him to grind. To grind. See, grinding wheat, grinding grain was the work of lowly women. Grinding wheat and, and grain was the work of the lowest slave. And so the Philistines humiliated this mighty judge of Israel by forcing him into slavery. Now, friend, listen. All these things are pictures of what sin can do in your life. Sin can rob you of your freedom. Sin can rob you of your vision. And sin can rob you of your dignity. Those who allow themselves to be entangled in this web of sin will soon find that sin has the power to bind, to blind, and to grind. Sin binds people by enslaving them into habits that they cannot break. Sin blinds people into believing they ain't nothing wrong with the way I'm living. Sin blinds people into thinking there's nothing wrong with the sin that I'm living in. So sin can bind you and sin can blind you, but sin can grind you by using up your life with worthless activities until you are just a shell of what you once were. The truth is, sin will bind you Sin will blind you. And sin will grind you up and spit you out. Sin will wear you down. And sin will waste your life. Friend, you may not believe a word I'm saying. But sin will ruin your life. So Samson lost much physically. But can I tell you that Samson lost even more spiritually? It's been said that this is the most expensive haircut in all of history. Why? Well, did you know that the average woman spends over $50,000 in hair care in her lifetime? That's pretty expensive. Did you know that the average woman spends two years of her life washing 
and styling and coloring, yes, I said coloring, her hair? Did you know that the average woman spends 41 minutes a day working on her hair? One recent survey found that, according to the survey, 54% of women got madder at their hair than they did at their husband. I say praise God for that, amen. But did you know that Americans spend over $7 billion with a B? $7 billion a year in hair care products? Think of this. If your hair is that important, how much more important should have Samson's hair been? See, Samson was a Nazarite. And part of his Nazarite vow required that he never cut his hair. His hair was to be an external symbol of his commitment to God. And so as long as Samson's hair was left to grow, he was set apart for God's glory and God's use. But the minute he cut his hair, he lost God's power in his life. As long as Samson allowed the Lord to control his hair, he was fine. But the minute he gave Delilah control, the minute he gave sin control, boy, he lost the power of God. And he was in trouble. Verse 20 shows us just how expensive this haircut was. How expensive was Samson's haircut? Well, let's read about it there in verse 20. Delilah said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from his sleep and he said, I'll go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. How expensive was Samson's haircut? Well, First thing that I see is that he lost his fellowship with God. Did you hear it? The Lord had departed from him. Throughout his life, Samson's commitment to his Nazarite vows were half-hearted at best. But when Samson allowed his hair to be cut, he crossed the final line with God. In that moment, Samson was saying that he loved his life of sin more than he loved his life as a servant of God. Boy, we must be careful. Because Samson had departed from God. God then departed from Samson. And when he departed, he took his power with him. Samson paid a high price. And listen carefully, friends. We will too. If we indulge in a life of sin. If we want the power of God, and I pray you do. Then you got to live clean and you got to live close. You got to live clean and you got to live close. You got to address your sins. And you got to put God first in your life. In Jesus Christ, we know that our relationship 
with God is absolutely secure. God says, ain't, Jesus said, ain't nobody going to snatch you out of my hand. We know our relationship is secure, but listen very carefully, Christian. While our relationship is secure, our fellowship is fragile. Your fellowship with God is very fragile. You gotta be clean and you gotta be close. If you turn out and you want sin more than you want God, then you can expect God to depart. He will not be around it. And he'll withdraw his power when he goes. Samson learned. Samson learned the hard way. Listen carefully. That the presence of sin and the power of God cannot exist in the same place. We should know that as individual Christians and we should know that as a church. If there's a reason why our churches are powerless, then we can easily assume that there's a presence of sin that needs to be taken care of. Samson lost his fellowship with God. But he also lost his spiritual discernment. And perhaps the saddest words in the Bible, we read that Samson didn't know. Samson didn't even know that the Lord had departed from him. Sin's grip on Samson's life was so great that when Samson woke up, he didn't even know that the Lord had departed. That the Lord had left him. That the Lord had removed his power from Samson's life. Samson had taken God for granted so long. So long. That he wasn't even aware when God left. My question is this. How could Samson not have known? How could Samson not have known that the Lord departed, and when he departed, he took the power of God with him? Well, you have to understand sin. You see, sin has a way of blinding us to the truth of our condition. Are you hearing me, church? Sin has a way of blinding us to the truth of our condition. Sin makes you think that you're right, and everybody else is wrong. Sin makes you think you're right and even God is wrong. Sin is a deceiver. And sin, friend, will rob you of your spiritual discernment. I think that's the biggest lie. The biggest problem that occurs with criminal behaviors. The biggest problem that occurs with chronic lying. The biggest problem that occurs with homosexuality. The biggest problem that occurs with, I guess, every other sin. Is that sin blinds people. Sin blinds people to the truth of their own condition. Because of a lack of spiritual discernment, what do they do? Oh, they decide with the world. What the world says is okay. They decide with the flesh. Well, my flesh says it's okay. They decide with the enemy. And what the enemy says is okay. Instead of truly hearing what the Word of God says, they listen to the world. They listen to self. 
and they listen to Satan. Sin is killing us these days. It's killing us these days because it destroys our ability to see when God is with us and when He ain't. Our spiritual discernment is stolen. Samson lost his fellowship with God. Can't imagine what it would be, how it would be to have the Lord depart from you. But he also lost his spiritual discernment in that he didn't even know. He didn't even know God was gone. But Samson also lost his ministry. Because of sin, the Lord removed Samson as a judge from Israel. Removed him from his position among God's people. God, in effect, put Samson on the shelf with all them other dusty books. He was no longer a vessel that was fit for God's use. And so Samson's ministry was, in effect, over. And y'all, the same can happen to us. It can happen to us. Don't you think it can? If we don't master sin, if we don't master the flesh, if we don't master this world that we're living in, we too run the risk of becoming worthless to God. The presence of sin and the power of God can exist in the same vessel. So we must take any and every necessary step to overcome our sin and to defeat our sinful pleasures. We have to master our flesh or our flesh will master us. I never want to lose my usefulness to God. I never want to become useless in the hands of Almighty God. But it can happen. It can happen to any one of us. Because if we don't do all that we can do to defeat sin and control our fleshly appetites, the Lord will depart and He'll take His power with Him. Samson lost his fellowship with God. Samson lost his spiritual discernment. Samson lost his ministry. And we can lose ours if we're not careful. But finally, Samson lost his testimony. If you can't find a viable reason not to commit some specific sin, a sin that you know the the Word of God says is a sin, then just consider your testimony. Just consider how other people are viewing you in your life as a person of God. Because Samson, the strong and the mighty judge of Israel, got taken captive and taken to a Philistine prison where he was forced to be a slave to the enemy. In other words, Samson was absolutely humiliated in the eyes of the enemy. But I wonder this. Was God humiliated right along with him? Was God humiliated when this man of God, this judge of Israel, 
lived and indulged in his sinful lifestyle? Well, when they mocked Samson, who else did they mock? They mocked God. When they got a victory over Samson, who else did they think they got a victory over? God. You see, when a child of God sins, it always, say always, it always harms the cause of Christ. Not just the little ones, all of them. You see, God is so closely identified with the people of God that when we shame ourselves, we also shame Him. When we shame ourselves, we also shame God in the eyes of the world we live in. So the lesson from Samson and Delilah is crystal clear. What we do matters. Are you hearing me? Say amen if you're hearing me. What we do matters. How you live as a child of God matters. What you do matters. You are not your own. You are purchased child of God with the blood of Jesus. Called to take the light of God's law, God's grace, and God's love to a world that doesn't know him. What we do matters. How we live matters. What we do always, here we go again, always reflects on God. If you do good, it reflects on God. If you do evil, it reflects on God. There is nothing more shameful, nothing more harmful to the cause of Christ than a damaged testimony. And sin always will damage your testimony. Friend, listen. God deserves our best. He gave His all. Amen. His only begotten Son, who would be beaten and and crucified on a splintery old rugged cross, who would bleed so that His blood would cover your sin. He deserves our best. You know what I say? Let's give it to Him. Let's strive to give God our best. Let's resolve that we're going to do absolutely nothing that's going to reflect a negative light on the cause of Christ. So, what do we do with this sad, tragic story of Samson and Delilah? Well, there's nothing we can do about it. So I say we learn from it. That's why it's given to us. That we should learn from it. That it should change our lives. That it should change what we do. That it should change how we live. That it should change how we reflect on God. If we're going to realize that, then we need to stand against sin. If we're going to realize that, we're going to need to realize that we need God's help, y'all. If we're going to stand against sin. We got to stay close and we got to stay clean. 
to realize that. If we've already committed sin, you need to understand that God will forgive you. That God will restore you if you'll just come on home. Amen? Just come on home. Let's realize that if we're struggling against sin, and many of us are in one way or the other, if we're struggling against sin, God will help you. He will help you to overcome the enemy if you will just stay close, stay clean, and keep your eyes on Him. What a gutter-filled life Samson lived. Had such a great opportunity. And he blew it because he indulged in a sinful lifestyle. So let's learn from it. And let's realize that without God, we don't have a hope. Amen? Friend, if you are without a relationship with God, you're likely under sin's stranglehold. And you need to do something about it. Inside your bulletin, I don't know if y'all ever pay attention to this, but I get a thrill out of making it in print. But there's a praise scripture that always changes every week. And the praise scripture this week says in Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. See, that's what happens to people who get born again. They sing a new song. For he, God, has done marvelous things. The Lord has made known his salvation. And he has remembered his mercy. Can I just tell y'all, man, does God love you? He loves you and he wants you to love him in return. Let's pray together. Father God, I praise you and I thank you so much for your redeeming grace. For your...